Hello and welcome back to the Weekly Rundown presented by the Minnesota Daily. I'm your host, Paul Hodowanek, and this week we are checking back in with the men's basketball team as they head into really the last month of the regular season and then into the Big Ten tournament and hopefully to prepare for the NCAA tournament. Uh, we will get to that later, but to bring or to talk about it, we bring in our men's basketball beat reporter, Nick Youngheim. How are we doing, Nick? Doing great, despite the fact that I'm freezing. Yeah, it is negative 30 wind chill outside as we're talking to you on this Thursday morning. So hopefully when you're listening to this, you're listening somewhere warm and uh, not with negative 30 degree temps outside around you. So as always, make sure to check out Nick's work at mndaily.com. You don't have to go outside to do that. Um, But if you do venture outside to pick up a paper, you can do that at any building on campus. Let's jump right in. So the Gophers, a uh, little season overview. Right now they are 12-11 and 11 on the year, kind of teetering around 500. That can kind of be attributed to a hard non-conference schedule, which usually would have seen them kind of climb up in the wins ranks, but they took a little bit of a harder schedule and stumbled a little bit in there, so they're still just kind of right around 500. They're right around 500 in the conference, 6-7 and seven there. That's good enough for ninth in the Big Ten standings, so half around half like the half level of the Big Ten maybe bottom half um teetering that way and they're 10 and 2 at home hard to beat at home but as we've kind of chronicled throughout this year and years previous they they really struggle on the road they're 1 and 8 on the road and that's not a thing that just the Gophers have have done it's been a kind of across the Big Ten it's gotten a little better lately but still everyone's struggling to win on the road so that isn't a huge surprise so given all that, Nick, is this about where we expected them to be at this point? Yeah, I think that record-wise, 12-11 uh, and 11 overall, 6-7 and seven in conference, that would seem about right if you asked me in November. I am a little surprised that they're actually on the bubble with that record, but the Big Ten has been so competitive, you could see if everything falls in the correct way, 12 teams from this conference getting in, and I mean, all throughout December, that seemed like these teams eventually were going to beat up on each other enough that someone was going to drop out, but nobody has. They're top to bottom. Everybody's still in the race. So, yeah, I think it's about where I expected, but I think this team is pleased to be on the bubble, especially with so many new faces this year. Yeah, just I just pulled up the bracketology right now. Joe Lenardi, he updated this on Tuesday. He has 11 Big Ten teams currently in his bracket. Indiana was m- among the last four in and Minnesota is among the last four out so like you said 12 teams kind of teetering I find it hard to believe by the end of the season that 12 will make it in just because so many teams are going to play each other just those two teams on the bubble Minnesota and Indiana have yet to play each other this season they've got two coming uh Indiana or Minnesota plays Indiana at home soon and then later they go to Indiana almost to close out the season so it feels like that number will just have to decrease just because I do feel like the league might have to kind of is going to cannibalize itself just a little bit but at this point in the season to have that many teams is pretty impressive the closest conference is the Big East with six couple with five and then it really kind of tapers down from there so regardless Big Ten is kind of the dominant conference this year looking at Minnesota specifically what are the main reasons they're at 12 and 11 both good that's gotten them to that point where they've had a couple upset wins but then also the stuff that's they've kind of struggled at which is 
not allowed them to break through as much as they may have hoped. Well, the good, obviously, Daniel Oturu becoming one of the best big men, one of the best players, not only in the conference, but in the country. He's taken a giant leap forward from his freshman year when he was already solid contributor. Now he's taken over that front court with Jordan Mur- Murphy gone, and he's really exceeded all expectations. And Marcus Carr, too, um, the, what he's brought to that point guard position, both scoring in big games and dishing out assists, making the offense work. That's something they haven't had the last couple of years, but Carr really brought it. So I think those two, they obviously jump out. Coaches say they're the two guys who are always A and B on the scouting report. So that's the reason for the good, but the reason for the bad, a couple things is consistency. Um, They've had some great games, especially at home against competitive Big Ten teams, but then they've also gone on the road. Um Penn State last weekend, they came out pretty flat. The Iowa game to start the Big Ten way back in December, 20-point loss. Uh, those are the performances that they have to avoid. And then also depth. Bench scoring has been almost non-existent throughout much of the season. Um, amongst uh, reserve players, Trey Williams leads the way with 3.5 points per game, and then nobody else averaging more than two. So, you know, they're really playing their uh, top guys heavy minutes, and Patino's talked about that a little bit. They think Oturu and Carr having to carry the load play 35, 40 minutes a game, and they think that's just a little too much. Yeah, I I pulled up the stats. Oturu's averaging 34 minutes, Carr 37, Kalsher 33.5, Willis uh, 29.8, Alahan Demir 26.6, so... Those are the five starters. They're all playing at least 25 minutes per game. Trey Williams is at 17. Omerce at 13. Hurt at 10. We don't see Michael Hurt much anymore. That That's probably a product of some early season reps more than anything. And Isaiah Enan has come in every once in a while, 7.4. He's only appeared in 14 games. Hurt's only appeared in 19 of 23. So it really is that the their starting five are really getting all the, all the minutes, and that just We've seen it. It's not super sustainable. It happened last year. Murphy and Coffey both had a couple little nagging injuries heading into the later part of the season. Murphy's injury obviously made him miss the the Michigan State game that ended Minnesota's season. So that'll be something that we definitely have to look at going forward to make sure the guys are staying healthy as we continue to really get into the meat of this schedule and get to the point where they need they need all of them healthy if they're going to make a run and if they're going to do anything in the NCAA tournament. Because if any of those starters go out, minus they've had Peyton Willis, who's been in and out, and they've done all right without him. But if they lose Otur or Carr, that's that's kind of the the spell the spell of death. You know, um, they're they can't really recover from that, or they haven't shown that. Off of those two players, I think coming into the season, people maybe thought sophomore Gabe Kalsher after the really promising freshman year that he had was going to kind of step up. Um, I know I thought maybe heading into the season, he might be the number one option. He hasn't been that so far. His three-point percentage has dropped from 41% to 33%. So why do we think Kalsher hasn't been as big of a contributor this season? Yeah, it's interesting, and I don't know that I have a single answer that you can point to because we knew the offense was going to have a different look this year they were going to shoot more and 
while that may have taken some of the pressure off Kalsher, maybe he wouldn't have had to take such a high percentage of the team's threes. Um, you would think that it would help him shooting because teams would have to pay attention to other guys like Carr and Willis on the perimeter. But his three-point shooting percentage has gone down from 41% to 33%. And I don't know. it. They The coaches keep telling him to keep shooting because they know he's a better shooter than what his percentage has been. And he's had a couple games recently where he's shot it a little better. But overall, I think the consistency has been what's bringing him down. He just has games where he seems to shoot a low percentage. Can't. If he doesn't start early, he might not recover and might end up shooting two for ten on the night. It's been puzzling because this system really seems to suit him, and there isn't like anything apparent. We don't know about any major injuries that are nagging him. So, unless it's something behind the scenes that we're not aware of, um, I mean, his mechanics seem like they're the same. I, I don't have a concrete explanation for why his three-point shooting has gone down by 8%. Yeah, and it kind of looked like he was mid-December, late December, he was looked to kind of be getting out of that. Uh, even earlier in November, he had a five-game stretch where he was in double digits every game. Then he shot over 10 against Iowa, set him back, but then against Ohio State, 15 points. Oklahoma State, that was the game he was just on fire. He had was 7 for 9 from 3, 11 from 14, 34 points. Then the next game against FIU, he had 23 points. Then Purdue, he had 13. So it seemed like maybe he was going to come out of that, but then the next five games he was held under 9 points every game. It's jumped up a little bit recently for the last five games. He's in double digits, but it's the shooting percentages aren't great. 4 for 12, 2 for 11, 4 for 14, 4 for 11. Those are his last four games, so it is it is a little puzzling. Besides those three guys, as we head into this latter part of the year, who are some of the names we're not talking about that we may need to keep an eye going forward that may be key as we head into this stretch run? Well, I think Trey Williams will be one guy I'm looking at because he's the main guy off the bench for any of those guards, and he's shown a lot of ability. I've been impressed with um, his athleticism and his, you know, some of the things he can do driving to the basket, his finishing ability. Um, his decision-making is one thing that's going to have to improve a little bit. He, he, I remember against Penn State, one pass in particular looking for Oturu that was pretty ill-advised, and it wound up resulting in a turnover and a fast break for Penn State. So some things like that he's going to have to improve on, and he is just a freshman, so it's to be expected a little bit. But the Gophers need an option aside from those first five who overall you would probably be satisfied with their production if you're Richard Pitino and the Gophers staff. But off the bench, it's hard to win with just five guys in March. So they need somebody, and Trey Williams has really emerged as the main guy off that bench. Yeah, and if they're going to make it, that's kind of the the key is they're going to need – they're going to need something, and looking at can they make the NCAA tournament, I think that's kind of what everyone's looking at right now. Their resume is, you know, it's pretty good, 39th in the net rankings. That's not bad. 63rd in RPI, 34 in strength of schedule. 
the committee is always looking at good wins, bad losses in terms of good wins. They have Ohio State twice. Those looked better earlier in the season. Frankly, they've continued to stumble, but I think they're still going to get credit because Ohio State's one of those marquee teams, I think. And given that they beat them at a time when they were still doing well, I think those are going to count for something. Penn State's a good win. Uh, they're ranked. Michigan is a good win. Bad losses. I was I struggled to find that many like bad losses that you could that you could really consider. Do you, Nick? Do you think there are any bad losses that the committee is going to look at and say, I don't know that 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 game should have gone Minnesota's way. I don't think there are any bad losses just because the schedule has been so tough this year that they haven't played many teams who are who would fit into that category of a bad loss. I think looking back, DePaul is one of those games where even though they were, I believe, undefeated at the time, uh, DePaul has struggled in conference play and they've, you know, they've lost a bunch of games in the row and they've fallen out from bubble contention since playing Minnesota. But even then, DePaul was a good team. They're in the Big East, which is maybe the most competitive conference aside from the Big Ten. So it, that's not a bad loss. I think when the Gophers look bad at, at it, it won't be any opponents that they regret losing to, but it'll be some of the games like the double overtime in Purdue, maybe the Illinois game where they could have had it. They could have beat a good team on the road, and it just slipped away at the end. So I think it's going to be more missed opportunities than bad losses. Yeah, that, that Purdue game sticks out in particular. We were – in our hotel in Tampa uh, for the Outback Bowl game, um, and we were watching that and looked like they had it a couple times, and Purdue's gone on to have some good wins against Michigan State and some other teams, and so that would have, and it was an away game, and those at that point had really not happened, so that would have been a really nice win that they wouldn't have had, and I would I would bet if they had that one, they may be one of those last four in or not on the first four out, so that's kind of one where you kind of look back and you you wonder what if... So they have eight games left at um, 12 and 11. I it, It's a struggle because they have played a tough schedule. They have some good wins. They don't have that many losses. But 12 and 11, like let's look at these next eight games. It's at home against Iowa, which they're 10 and 2 at home, but Iowa's going to be a tough game. They, they, didn't, they weren't very competitive against them the first time around. Indiana at home, we mentioned they're one of the last four in, so that's kind of up in the air. At Northwestern, conceivably, should be a win. Um, at home against Maryland, Maryland's really good. They're going to be a top four seed. Um, not like a number one seed, potentially, but one of the top four seeds in a, in a bracket. Um, at Wisconsin, you never know there. At Indiana, like we said, they're right there. And then at home against Nebraska. So how many wins do we feel like they need to get out of that group, and which ones do you think they they need to highlight or a game that you think maybe they have a shot in that maybe they wouldn't be favored in that that could really elevate them because I'm looking at the 2019 bracket from last year not that many teams make it in with having less than like 19 wins 19 wins is kind of the benchmark for teams that made it last year Minnesota had 21 they were a 10 seed I'm looking at some of the bigger other big teams Baylor was a 9 seed they were 19 and 13 Florida was a 10 seed at 19 and 15. Ohio State was an 11 seed at 19 and 14. 
Um, some of the only other teams that were lower were just automatic bid teams that made it in with a lesser record. So it might be different this year just based on how it is always fluctuating, but it feels like they need to get closer to 20 and they'd have to win every game to get to 20. So what are we looking at as games they can win conceivably? Yeah, you said it. Um, Coach Patino was talking about it in his uh, last press conference, and he said that you know he feels good if they can win four out of eight. I, I think there are definitely four to five wins on the schedule. They've gotten through the toughest part of the Big Ten slate, and the two hard teams, the hardest teams they'll play from here on out are both at home, and that's Iowa and Maryland. Um, you know, I think Indiana at home at Northwestern, home against Nebraska, those are games they should definitely win. And if they drop one of those, they could be in trouble. But conversely, if they beat Iowa or Maryland, they'll be in really good shape. And then you still have the Big Ten tournament where if you pick up a win or two there, they'll be in good shape. So I, I would expect four to five regular season wins. And then, you know, at that point, if you can win two games in the Big Ten tournament, you're in really great shape. Otherwise, if you win five games in a game in the Big Ten tournament, you're also putting yourself in the conversation. It just kind of depends on a lot of things, like who those wins are against and how the bubble ends up playing out. So I don't know if 19 will be the magic number this year, but it hasn't just been the Big Ten. It's been all of college basketball, and when it comes to Selection Sunday, that's who you're competing against. So there's still a lot of ways the dominoes could fall, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out because it's been one of the most entertaining college basketball seasons I can remember. So the the chaos should definitely continue. I think it's just ramping up now, and it's going to build all the way to the Final Four. Yeah, I would say for fans looking at these first two games. I think that'll give us a really nice indication of where they can be. If they can come out and beat Iowa and beat Indiana, they're 2-0 and there. They're now 8-7 and in the conference, 14-11, and and then they have at Northwestern after that. If they go 3-0 and there, I feel really good about where they are, about maybe scratching out a win either at Wisconsin or at Indiana with the momentum that they have, and then beating Nebraska to finish. And that would kind of be my recipe. I don't want to jump to, I don't want to hope too much with that Maryland game, just with all the talent that they have. But it does seem like it's going to kind of come down to the last couple of days of the season, kind of seeing where all the other teams are. They're the nine seed right now in the Big Ten, which would mean they are getting a first round bye because the 10 through 14 teams play, and then they would play nine and eight and I believe they'd go on and play the one seed. So conceivably, they could get one win there if they stay stand pat with where they are, but two wins would really, they'd need to get some sort of upset, which not saying they can't do. Obviously, they, they had their success against Purdue late in the year last year, so it's not impossible, but it's it's a little, it's a distant hope, I would say, at this point. So we've talked all about this. Now I want, I want to get an answer from you. Do you think that they will make it? As of right now, I have a hard time saying that just because based on the inconsistencies, even though four of these last eight games are against the teams that are bottom three right now in the conference, the way some of those 
wins they had early have shaped out Ohio State and Michigan are not looking as good as people may have thought they were when Minnesota beat them. So I, I don't know that they have a big quality win that just jumps off the page, and they still have the chance to get that against Maryland or against a team in the Big Ten tournament. But I think that we might see fatigue become an issue, like we talked about. Those top guys have played a lot of minutes, and there are still eight games left. So unless you can find some contributions from the bench to give those guys a break, I I don't know that they're going to have enough left in the tank at this point. Yeah, and I think it's important to throw in a little perspective here that at the beginning of the year, I don't think people saw them getting this close at all. This After Coffee left, after Murphy left, this was supposed to be much of a rebuild season, a kind of bottoming out and kind of figuring out who you are and then attacking next year and kind of seeing what you got. I don't think people expected, I don't think anyone really expected the amount of growth that Oturu had. He's just been an animal and um, fortunately for him and maybe unfortunately for Gopher fans, this is most likely his last season here. He's getting first-round consideration in the NBA draft, but they've still got Kalsher. They've still got Carr, who feels it feels weird having a transfer come in and having more than one year, but he's just a redshirt sophomore. He's here for the next two years. They've got some good freshmen to build on. But, yeah, I think it's just it's good to put it in perspective and say, hey, they, they didn't even – we didn't think they were going to get this far, and if they do make that NCAA tournament, I think it's one of Patino's best coaching jobs that he's had, just given the expectations and maybe the talent that he's had. He's been able to get Demir to be more than just a guy early in the season that looked like a liability. He's putting the ball on the floor. He's making things happen on offense, and Jarvis Omeris has been a little bit better on defense. I wouldn't say it's been drastic improvement, but he's he's getting better. So, yeah, I think I think it was just important to put it into perspective um nick i thank you for having or for coming in to talk with us today um and we look forward to your coverage the rest of the season absolutely thank you paul in other news the women's basketball team lost a tough game to michigan at home on monday and played ohio state on thursday like the men's team they remain on the outside looking in hoping to make the ncaa tournament Their next chance to improve their resume comes on Monday in East Lansing against Michigan State. The men's hockey team split their series against Michigan State last weekend, losing their six-game winning streak in the process. The team remains just one point away from first place in the Big Ten and have another pivotal series this weekend as they take on Notre Dame on the road. The women's hockey team looks to be emerging from their slump. After dropping three of four games against Duluth and Wisconsin, they swept Bemidji State last weekend. They have the weekend off before hosting Mankato State next weekend. The wrestling team couldn't put together an upset in their last time on the mats, falling to defending national champions Penn State 31-10. They have another brutal test this weekend as they travel to number one ranked Iowa on Saturday. The men's gymnastics team moved to 2-0 in dual meets on the season, topping Washington last Friday behind strong performances from freshman Dante McKinney and Crew Bold. They head to Lincoln this week for a tri-meet against Nebraska and Army. The women's gymnastics team continues to stay hot. They came away victorious in their last meeting, defeating Iowa at home last Saturday. They will look to improve to 5-0 in conference this weekend against Nebraska. 
The softball team got their season underway last weekend, going 3-2 and two in the NFCA Division I leadoff classic. The weekend was full of ups and downs for the offense and defense, and the team will look for more consistent results this weekend in the ESPN St. Pete slash Clearwater Elite Invitational. They play four games, three of which are against ranked opponents. Finally, the baseball team gets their season underway this weekend in Arizona for the 2020 Angels College Classic, where they play Oregon, Pepperdine, and San Diego before taking on Arizona on Monday. That's all for this week. We'll be back again next week to give you the weekly rundown on all things Gopher sports. Don't forget to share, subscribe, and review. We'll see everyone next week.